hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Jesus is coming up out of the Jordan area. And the Jordan River is on the banks of Jordan. And as Jesus is coming through, John the Baptist is down in the baptismal area, which is really called the Jordan River in his day. And he was baptizing all these people. When he saw Jesus coming from a distance, he looks up and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You all know that story very well. Jesus comes down into the water, into the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan area, the Jordan River, Jordan River is just a small area, small river. It flows into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is just what it says. It goes nowhere else. But the Jordan River in the Jordan area is the lowest point in and on the earth above sea level, okay? It's the lowest point. So I find it ironic that Jesus comes into the Jordan River to be baptized, and he gets baptized at the lowest point in the earth, right? John the Baptist baptizes him. Out of the water, Jesus comes. The Father in heaven says this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? He gets tempted from there, goes out into the, uh, gets, gets descend, the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. He walks up out into the, the wilderness, gets tempted by the devil, and the enemy tempts him three times and says these words, if you are the Son of God, then this. If you are the Son of God, then this. If you are the Son of God, then this. Three different temptations that Jesus uh, over, over, uh, overcome by not yielding to what the devil had said to him or the enemy had said to him. I want you to think about this. God didn't say, if you're my, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm telling you, I have preached this message a million times. This is how this church was birthed through the expression of Christ in everyday real life by identifying, affirming, equipping, and releasing. That's our vision and mission. But I missed one word in the scripture. This is my beloved son, the one I love, and whom I'm well pleased. So when Jesus goes up and gets tempted by the devil, the devil says, if you are the son of God, he never wanted to remind him if he was the beloved. He just said, if you're the son of God. He didn't say, are you the, if you're the beloved son of God. No, he said, if you're the son of God. That's the, at the lowest point in the earth, Jesus is heard the Father's voice that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my, at the lowest point of the earth, an affirmation comes from heaven that says, I love you. At the lowest point of the earth. Jesus goes up on Mount, I think it's Mount Hebron, Mount Hermon. He goes up on Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, I looked up, is the highest point in the earth, in that region. The highest place where Moses was, and Moses got the law, the Ten Commandments. It was at Mount of Transfiguration. So he takes, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of this mountain, the highest place in the earth. The, 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 the glory of God shines on Jesus. The light transforms, and I see him in all his splendor. Moses and Elijah appear talking to Jesus. 
Peter says, this is so good, I want to build a memorial here. All of a sudden, the voice from heaven comes again and says, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased hear ye him. Don't you think it's interesting? Two reference points that the father speaks to the son and says, this is my love. At the lowest point in the earth and the highest point of the earth. So if the highest point of the earth, he sees him and says, this is my loved one. I love you. I'm pleased. At the lowest point of the earth, he says, this is the one I love and I'm well pleased. Where are you going to go in your trouble, in your life, somewhere in between we all live? How can we ever doubt how much he loves us? How can we ever doubt how much he's pleased with us? No matter how low your life goes, Jesus has been there. No matter how high and how good it gets and how much you feel like you're all about that. And get full of yourself. Jesus has been there. Sometimes we look at Jesus and we say, I thank God he humbled himself down. But it looks like to me he also put some pride on the cross. He became sin that knew no sin. So arrogance as well as false humility got pinned on that cross. And everything in between. But there was a certain stamp that was placed on Jesus at his lowest place on the earth and the highest place of the earth. The lowest place it was, yes, you're my son, but you're the son I love. When you forget who you are, that he loves you in spite of yourself, when you forget that, you begin to measure yourself up against everything else and begin to go, oh, man, I tell you, I don't think I can make it. But something comes to light when you're jarred and remembered, when you get a blow in life and it just happens and you get knocked off your feet, you're going, oh, my gosh. You're going, my, how things are, how bad, what, what do I got to do to make it different? What do I got to do to make it different? All you got to do is the first thing you have to do is remind yourself you're the beloved. He loves you. Man, but I flew off the handle and it didn't work out like I thought it was going to work. I mean, I don't know what else I should, I could have done it. I know you could have done it differently, but he still loves you. I know the, the bottom fell out of that job. I know the bottom fell out of your, your, your home. I know the bottom fell out, the bottom fell out, the bottom fell. But no matter how far the bottom falls, you're still the beloved. That doesn't change. How come? Because Jesus has already gone to the lowest part of the earth. David said it this way, if I make my bed in hell, there you are. David knew to rest in hell. If you're going through hell, I know the, the slogan says, if you're going through hell, you've got to keep on going. I'm telling you what David said, if you're going through hell, make a bed. Rest in it. How do you rest? Knowing it's all coming apart and falling apart, you can't change it anyway. You might as well let him do it. So you rest in him, and how do you rest in him? I hate when people tell me that, you need to rest in the Lord. Well, you come over here and put these shoes on, and you tell me how that looks to you. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, your, your, your marriage is falling apart. Things are falling down, to, and you're, you're losing everything you got, and things are, you don't have, you're just trying to go day by day, and somebody looks at you and says, you need, I'm praying for you, you need to rest in the Lord. And man, something rises up inside of me called holy boldness, and I'm thinking to myself, come on over here and let me tell you about resting in the Lord, because I mean, we're going to grapple, we're going to talk. 
and I'm going I'm to rebuke you in Jesus' name. How do you think that feels? Since you're going to, you want me to pray, you want me to pray and rest in the Lord. Let me, let me just rebuke you. Since we're talking religious terms here, let me just rebuke you in Jesus' name. All right? Yeah. But, but what happened? I get tired of that. I get, don't you, don't you mind what I'm talking about? Get religious. They mean well. God, they mean well. People mean well. They just don't know any better. They just don't know any better. They mean well. But they say, rest in the Lord. I'm thinking to myself, rest in the, what, what are the two things you have to rest in? Two things. I'm the beloved. And if he loves me, he favors me. If he loves me, there's no way I can go down. If I go down, I got to bounce back up. There's no way I can lose. If I lose, it's temporary loss that has to be given back to me with much gain. Because if I see everything I lose as my harvest and not my seed, I realize when I'm losing some stuff and it's getting away from me and I'm going, dear God, what's happening here? What's, what, what's, what, this is falling apart on me. Then I realize I might be trying to hold on to something that I'm really supposed to sow. If I start seeing it as a seed, I'll give you an example. There was a guy one time that I was talking to, and every time I would talk to him, he would talk for like a long time. And he had a lot of Bible stuff to say, and I always felt like he was trying to trip me up in Bible questions. So he would look at me and he would say, what, did, how many animals did Noah have on the ark? And I thought, well, you know, at 7 o'clock in the evening, that's a pretty good question, but at 10.30 at night, it's not a good one. I'm ready to go home. I've worked all day. Things have, I'm tired. My family's home waiting on me, and you're wanting, you're, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, he didn't work the next day. So I'm going, how about I do this? How about I call you at 5.30 in the morning when I get up, and I'll talk about Noah in the ark. All right? But we didn't go there, and, but it was going my head. And I looked at him and I said to myself, I thought, man, this is just like 10.30 at night here. So over a period of weeks, this would happen. And, I would, and I will, I'm not the kind of guy that will avoid you. I will talk to you and, 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 and we'll, I'll, be, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. So finally, I, I said it. I said, I got to be honest with you. I said, listen, you know, I feel like you're trying to trip me up here. And I said, I'm all for a good conversation, but weeks after weeks after weeks, I feel like this is not going anywhere. And he says, what are you trying to say? I said, I said, I feel like you're trying to trap me up into, I don't know how to make it any clearer. You're trying to trap me up into something and I feel like it's just not going anywhere. It's just going on and on and it's taking some time. So he said, oh, okay. He said, I know I, I, I what you're saying. I'll try to do better. I'm not joking. The next day, it's eight o'clock at night and, I'm and I want to talk to this guy because he's got a ton of knowledge. I want to I pick his brain. So as we were talking, all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, up to this point, your family was sowing you into him but now, if you stay here any longer, you're being stolen from them. And I looked at him and I went, I got to go. He said, well, we're not done talking. I said, no, you're not done talking, but I'm done listening. I said, I got to go. And I got in my car and man, on the way home, the Lord kind of convicted me and showed me that, listen, you, you're in control of what you invest in as seed and what you see as harvest. So, if I feel like I'm struggling over and over and over again with things and things are getting away from me, I have to start evaluating not if I have sin in my life, not if I got people around me that are wrong. I start evaluating how do I view that commodity of time, money, ministry? What is it? Do I see it as time? Is it as a seed that I'm sowing? Or is it something I'm trying to hold on to that I'm losing? And more times than not, when it's starting to fall away from me, I'm finding 
that I'm holding on to it as harvest, as a commodity of, of something that I'm, it's my, my, my end result, and I'm losing it, I switch in my mind and say, listen, I know what I gotta do. If I see it as harvest, that's as good as it gets. But if I can switch in my head and realize that seed, I can sow that into that, all of a sudden now I don't take ownership of it because I've already sown it, and then I can expect the reward and to reap a harvest down the road on what I'm getting. Does that make sense? It makes sense in relationships, in time, in all the things that you're doing. Because many times, I've, I've done it. And, and, and the first thing that happens is I start looking around going, my God, what am I doing? Things are just falling apart. Or, and then I start swinging it, trying to keep everything in, in control. When you're losing things that you typically have in control, ask the Lord, is this my harvest I'm trying to control? Or is it seed that I'm supposed to let go and sow? So? And it's not just about money. It's every aspect of your life. Is it time? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it relationship? What is that thing that you're holding on to that you think that's as good as it gets when you could just say, uh, is it sleep for some people? You see what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about just rest. I'm talking about sleep. I'm talking about the whole aspect of life. Now listen to this real quick. I'm not going to be real long because I'm going to close <coughs> soon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are made heavenly. And we have borne the image of the man dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Watch this. <coughs> Excuse me. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Listen to this. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, how many of you have heard and believe, like me, that's talking about the last day? When we hear that last trumpet in the twink sound of a twinkling of an eye, man, that's going to all change, and we're going to all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? That's a promise we have. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. For the trumpet will sound... And when the sound of the trumpet sounds, we will be raised incorruptible. So in other words, what he's saying is, until that trumpet sounds, everybody's corruptible. Y'all believe that? And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
then, after the trump sounds, after we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, after the corruption, corruptible has put on incorruption, then this sound shall say, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in love. Now, here's my question for you. Has death, is death still have more power than Jesus Christ? Is Christ the most powerful being, if we could use even that word in a limited fashion? Is Christ the most powerful in all heaven and earth? Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth, right? Then if he's all powerful and we have to wait till the sound of the last trump where we're all changed in a twinkling of an eye before we can say, death, where's your sting? Then do we have something out of order? Maybe, maybe the twinkling of an eye and maybe the, loud, the sound of the last trump, and I'm not saying there won't be a last trump because I know there will be. I'm saying that the last trump you could have heard before you had a twinkling of an eye could have been the revelation that Jesus destroyed the key, took the keys of hell and death. And when you believe that, you take on incorruption and you put down corruptibility. So maybe the twinkling of an eye and the turning of the eye are, is the eye opening of you once were blind but now you see. Because I'm having a little difficult time of death getting glorified and the church waiting on something to happen when we say Jesus is the most powerful thing in the world. Because if, if somebody has cancer and they die and death has more power than Christ, then death becomes your savior to heaven, not Christ. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you guys getting any of this? This is really important. You were born earthly into Adam. Everybody. Adam sinned. His sentence of sin came upon us. You had nothing to do with that. So if that happened in earth and we put on corruptibility, so we were all corrupt because of Adam, then when Jesus dies on a cross takes back the death, the, the keys to death and the grave, puts them in his pocket and says, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. He put on incorruptibility. He became corrupt even though he wasn't corrupt. He put on incorruptibility even though we were still corrupt. When we believe in him and hear that gospel, our eyes are open and the twinkling in the eye open. When you take on that incorruptibility, you now have victory over Amen. death Amen. and hell. Yeah. Mm, death, where's your sting? Hell, where's your victory? 
You don't have that. Man, Jesus went to hell, split it wide open, and brought back the keys. Not only brought back the keys, he brought back everybody with him that heard the gospel. Right? So we're no longer living in this world. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, it said. As long as you are still trying to live in a corruptible life, what I'm saying corruptible, I mean earthly. When you recognize, when you still see everything as it still has to happen, you're still living through a filter and a lens of an eye before it's twinkled. A before twinkled eye thinks Jesus still has more work to do. A post twinkled eye believes Jesus has already finished all the work. The view that you see determines corruptibility or incorruptibility. One fears death, the other death fears. Sickness, is, we're afraid of sickness over here because it goes with Adam. It goes with, with corruptibility. It goes with a pre-twinkled eye. But a post-twinkled eye, sickness is afraid. Jesus comes walking into a city. They go, oh, are you come to torment us before our time? When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, hey, I know you. You're the son of God. You come to torment us before your time? When's the last time? You may not know this, but they know you. Disease is very well of who you are. Cancer is very well of who you are. Addiction is very aware of who you are. Spirit of affirmity is very aware of who you are. They're more aware of who you are than you are aware of who you are. They know your post-twinkled eye. And they know we're still living in our pre-twinkled eye. What are you going to do when you hear the trump? And the trumpet sounds. And I'm not talking about the last trump on the, on, on the carrying away of the church. I'm talking about the last trump in your life. Amen. I'm not talking about just when you're going to die. I'm talking about when you realize, man, I got Christ living inside of me. I, I've got the one that destroyed death and took the keys back of the grave living inside of me. You, man, you'll be twinkling that eye all day long when that becomes a real, because things begin to say, take a different view. So the, the twinkling of an eye is really this. What lens are you seeing from? Is it a lens that Jesus still has work to do? Or is it a lens that Jesus has already finished the work? Is it a lens that says, my God, no, by no means nothing can come against me. See, the Bible goes on to say in that same passage of Scripture, it says this. It says, when, now, when Jesus has all of his enemies under his feet, then this thing going to get real. How do you have the key to the death and the grave? You have a key. How do you have the key to those things and still think there's still some, yet something to happen? So when you wake up in the morning... And bills are flying over your head going, my God, I'm overwhelmed. When you wake up with, with, with just things aren't working the way you think they should work, 
Your body's not cooperating. Your mind is just not working. Things are just, kids are just going crazy. Things, and it's stress and strife and arguments and all this stuff is happening. The first thing you got to see is, which pair of glasses am I going to work on? Am I going to put on my pre-twinkled glasses or my post-twinkled glasses? If I put on the ones that corruptible, I'm going to look through everything that's agitating, aggravated, frustrating. I'll start yelling back because the only way to get back at flesh is operating flesh. And before you know it, you're trying to figure this thing out on your own. My God, my God, this is, and everything's agitating, you're getting under your skin. If you put it on here and you say, ah, no, I can recognize, I am the beloved son in whom he's well pleased. Yeah, but you have no idea, you just went off yesterday and lost your salvation. Well, guess what? Mercy's new every morning. So you wake up the next morning and say, do I have to start all over? Do I have to keep going back and picking up where I left off, or can I just pick up and go from here? Do I have to go back and pick up the pieces? No, not always. Those pieces will come to you in the front. You don't want to have to go back and pick up those pieces until those pieces reappear in your future. When they reappear in your future, you go towards those things and say, I'm coming to you with a pair of glasses and a lens of life that's incorruptible. And no matter what the enemy tries to put at me, it can't take me out because I'm his beloved. You remind yourself of who he is, remind yourself of who you are, and remind yourself of who you are to him. And when you remember those things, you don't have to sit around and worry. If your life ended today, you'll be with Jesus. If your life stays another day, I'm still with Jesus. I don't have to go to heaven to be with Jesus. Jesus came to earth to be with me. So whether I'm here or whether I'm there, so I'm going to close with this. In Revelation chapter 21, the Bible talks about this big old beautiful crystal sea, this river, the river of life that flows with, with life. And the water was flowing. And it says that there was this tree that came up out of that river, and the branches went to one side, had leaves, and branches went to this side that had leaves. And I look at this thing, and it says, the leaves were for the healing of the nations. So, Jesus is the tree of life. Would you all believe with me there? The river is the spirit of God. So out of the river grows the tree. Out of the spirit grows Christ. With a branch and leaves on this side. And a branch and leaves on this side. And the leaves were for the healing of the nations. So that tells me that the spirit flows like a river. And Christ has branches. Wait a minute, though. Jesus said, he's the vine. We are the branches. So that means on this side of the river, earth, there are branches. I'm looking at them. Out of those branches are the leaves, which are healing for all the people on the earth. But over here, there's a branches, people that have gone on before us. That's heaven. They're already there. That's mama and daddy and grandpa and grandma and aunt and uncle and baby and sister and a brother and all the people that have gone on before. They're already there. They're branches too. So they're in heaven with leaves and fruit of those leaves that are healing for the nations. So you, you can get your healing there, 
or you can get your healing here. It's just spirit. Christ is the branch of the tree, the vine, and we are the branch. It's which I do you see. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Which lens do you see from? Stand to your feet, please. Would you buy, just bow your heads with me for close your eyes just for a moment? I just want to pray this over you. The word trump in the Bible, trump, trumpet, is like, it's, it's, it's noted like a ram's horn, but it, it really means a voice. It means a sound. It's the same word that's used on the day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was sent and they heard a sound like a rushing mighty wind. It was a rushing mighty wind. It was like a rushing mighty wind. There was a sound. I'm, I'm going to pray. See, there's two ways of living life after you're saved. And one of the most frustrating things in the world for people, and including myself, is to be saved, filled up with God, love God, centered on God, but still live a life like you're like, it's pulling you or you're pulling it. Or you're pushing it and it's pushing you. And everything around you just, just didn't satisfy. When you get to that place, it's time to twinkle the eye. You gotta come to the end of that corruptible life view, world view and come over here to the incorruptible view where you're able to see heaven and earth aren't separated by an event. They're only separated by a dimension. And the dimension is alive over there just like it's alive here. And what you can't recognize is you can't see them, but they can see you. Oh God, help us to peel back the layers of film that's over our eyes that we're able to see deep into the dimensions of the spirit parents the best thing you could ever do is lay your hands on your kids and even though you may not even be able to see it fully is to pray that their spiritual eyes would be open that they would see in the dimension of the spirit grandchildren nieces and nephews, parents, grandparents, pray for them. I'm reminded of why this church is even here today is, was a lady, if you would just allow me this with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, it was a lady, it was Kathy. Kathy had breast cancer and was dying. Was it the last tell, look, few days of her life and got a call from her husband and said, hey, I, you probably want to come and see her. She's got some things she wants to share with you. So I naturally thought I was going to go down and pray for her and lay hands on her and hope she was going to recover. If she didn't recover, I knew she was saved. She was a saint of God, Mingo County girl. So I went down and walked in this room and actually he had he asked Steph to bring her guitar. So her guitar was there. She was there going to sing songs to her and maybe, you know, something would happen. We didn't know. So I walk in this room and Kathy's sitting up on the bed 
I'll never forget this as long as I live. As Kathy was sitting up on the bed, she started praying. And I looked at her and I thought, my God, she don't look sick. And she started speaking to me and she said, and her eyes got a little glassy. And she started telling me what she was seeing from over there, even though her body was still over here. She began to tell me about starting a church. I didn't want to start a church. I wasn't even in a place where I would, could start a church. She started telling me what she saw across the country and why the people in the, in, the, in, the, in the shape of the body of Christ was in and the shape the country was in, and what it was going to take for... And I realized about 15 minutes into this conversation that went on for a long, long time that she was sharing with me from behind the curtain of another dimension of what she saw for my life. And I had a choice at that point because I couldn't see all those things. Part of me wanted to start praying for her to be healed. And then I'll be, the selfish part of me said, no way, God, send her on over. I want her to see all over there so I can see. And for about an hour and a half, I think it was, she downloaded from heaven, sitting in her bed, while I sit right there at the edge of her bed with her husband, Ricky, Steph with her guitar, writing a song. And I'm hearing the will of God for my life. She died just a few days later. And you're standing in a building today in a congregation of people hearing a message of the gospel of the kingdom because a woman was already partaking of the leaves from a branch that was already on the other side, even though her body and mind were here. So Father, we acknowledge that moment today. And I'm asking you to grant us the ability and the power and the grace to capture what's happening there in a, in a real tangible way. Articulate it back to here with no hesitation or breaking point that we will be accurate in our prophetic words, we'll be accurate in our revelatory words, we'll be accurate in our life to where what we see there we will see here. Just like she said to me, Father, your kingdom come in this earth like it is in that dimension. Father, we thank you and I ask you to open up our eyes of understanding today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.